Pacers, Sixers, round two, two-night in Philly, in-season tournament action. What can the Pacers do better against Tyrese Maxey and Joel Embiid? What other key storylines are the, there to watch for the Pacers as they try to get better? And how can the Pacers beat this 76ers team? Adam Aronson will join us as we break it all down today on the Locked On Pacers podcast. You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Tuesday, everybody, and welcome into another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers. As always, my name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and SI, and today I'm in Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Sorry for the different background and audio sound, but we have a lot to talk about. Pacers, Sixers, tonight in Philly. Round two of their two-game set in Philly. This one's a little Different end-season tournament Group A action. The only two undefeated teams in the group squaring off a big game in the end-season tournament. Yes, that is a thing that I'm going to be saying because I like the end-season tournament. And we have got a lot to talk about. Can the Pacers do better against the Sixers stars? What other adjustments can the Pacers make? Can they catch up on the rebounding? There's a lot to talk about from an adjustments perspective. And who better to talk Pacers-Sixers with than someone who is at Sunday's game and who will be there tonight? Adam Aronson a.k.a. Sixers Adam. He covers the 76ers for Philly Voice. We get into every aspect of this matchup you need to know, adjustments you could see coming. We'll get to all of it today on Lockdown Pacers. Let's just get right to it. He is the king of the 76ers, covering them for forever now for Philly Voice, and we've got a lot to talk about in-season tournament tonight. They just played on Sunday. The two stars had 87 points for the Sixers, and they do it again tonight. He's Adam Aronson, a.k.a. Sixers. Adam, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Uh, I don't get to cover a team that is wrecking the whole league. Is eight and one and only lost one game by one point. Although it was a, really a four point loss. So uh, I'm not as good as you, but I'm good. Um, I guess I just got to start with the big one. I just told you this before I started recording. I am at the point of these Pacers Sixers games where I kind of bake in like Embiid's gonna have like forty. Right. We'll talk about that in a second. But Maxi Tyrese Maxi fifty points. His best game ever. Got to whatever shot he wanted. The step back threes were ridiculous. What did you make of that? I mean, Maxie's been ascending to that kind of all season. Can he do it again? I mean, what did you make of that entire performance? Yeah, he was. I mean, he was unbelievable. First of all, he and he and Embiid in that game. Uh, that was the best combined performance I've seen from two Sixers in my time covering the team, which is wow. which is shockingly a while now. Um. I mean, for, you know, just the fact that Embiid scored 19 points in the first quarter and someone else on the team finished the game with 50 points kind of tells you all you need to know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Tyrese Maxey, you know, his rookie year was in and out of the rotation a lot, didn't, uh, you know, showed some stuff when he was on the floor, but it wasn't consistent. And then uh, – Man, each of the last three years, he has made just a massive leap each year. Um, it's been a pleasure to watch. He is his work ethic is outstanding. His attitude the same. Everybody around him, around the team, uh, just effusive praise all the time, uh, and and all of that coalesces into just a special player. Um, I think a lot of people were hoping that. He would make the all-star leap this year, and he was kind of in that like borderline area by the end of last year. And now it's did he make an all-NBA leap? It's if he's playing anything like 
you know, of course it's only nine games, but if it's anything like this the rest of the way, then he he's going to have more than a legitimate case. He's going to have quite a strong case. Uh, I mean, he's been one of the single best scorers in the NBA. He's averaging almost 29 a game on better than 50, 40, 90. Uh, it's outrageous. Uh, he the the level of shot maker he's become is is ridiculous. Uh, his speed is is second to none in the NBA. His finishing ability is incredible. Uh, he's really just become the perfect offensive guard. Uh, you know, he's not you know Steph Curry or anything, but he he's special in a lot of different ways and and. I just find whenever whenever we in Philadelphia in any case try to limit what Maxi's upside is, he then makes us look silly. Um, so just don't doubt Tyrese Maxi would be would be my advice. He's just gonna keep on getting better and I, I don't really see an end in sight there. Yeah, the thing that made his performance so jarring Sunday was like, He's so fast with and without the ball. I know that. He can get to whatever spot he wants because he could go fast every direction. Okay. He's going to score a lot against the Pacers because of that alone, right? They don't have the best guys for that matchup. Bruce Brown was their best option. I don't even think Bruce Brown did that bad. But we'll talk about that in a second. So him getting to, like, his layup that's kind of a layup, kind of a runner thing that he makes all the time. Okay. That's going to happen the whole game. He's going to score 30-plus from just that. The step-back threes (laughs) were just, like – what could the Pacers even do on those? And he went seven of eleven from deep, and those changed the game to me because I like the Pacers won the Embiid minutes by by one, but they still won them. So all they had to do was win the non-Embiid minutes to win, and they got their butts kicked in those minutes because Maxi couldn't miss. He couldn't miss the step back three. So the way I expected him to do well, he did, but then he took it a step further and did it in the minutes where he was the lone star. It was ridiculous. Like what? What has historically slowed him down? If anything, this year it looks like nothing. And can the Pacers actually do anything with an adjustment that isn't just throw two guys at him? Because then you're compromised somewhere else against this high-powered Sixers team. Yeah, and that and that kind of is the crux of of what makes the Sixers so good, at least to start the season, is that this version of Maxi and Embiid at the same time. I mean, we saw it to open the game. They basically ran the same set first thirteen like, points. <laughs> for 13 points, I don't know. It, it was over and over to start the game, and the Pacers had no answer. And that's not even, uh, you know, I've never seen the Sixers do it that many times in a row that quickly. But that not being able to stop those actions is not a problem exclusive to the Pacers. That's something that just by the nature of the skills Maxi has that we just talked about, plus obviously Embiid being, you know, the best interior scorer in the NBA, arguably either either him or Giannis. Um, they're impossible to guard when the two of them are on the floor together. And, uh, and so it, it does come down to, you really do, you know, it's simple, but the formula to beat the Sixers still is to win those non-Embiid minutes. And to me, possibly the single biggest development for the Sixers this season, outside of what Maxi and Embiid have done is that they're consistently winning minutes with Embiid off the floor. And, that has been the issue since Embiid's first game in the NBA. Since, you know, October of 2016, he was playing 22, 20 minutes a game on a minutes restriction and wasn't playing any back-to-backs. But every minute he was in the game, no matter who else was on the court, the Sixers were winning those possessions. Um, their, their starting lineup in his rookie year 
at one point was our friend TJ McConnell, uh, <laughs> our friend Nick Stauskas, uh, Robert Covington, Ursan Ilyasova, and Joel Embiid. And they were just they were just mowing teams down. Um, and I, I say all that to say here we are in 2023. Embiid does the same thing. He's obviously a considerably better player than he was seven years ago now, um, which is crazy that it's been that long. Um, but uh, they're they're a machine when he's on the floor. They they almost always have been, and now they're learning finally how to win games without him. And that combination makes them really dangerous because, again, just the the floor with him is so is so high when you have you know, a defensive anchor who also happens to be the back-to-back scoring champion of the NBA. Uh, And then you really have to key in when he's off the floor uh, on taking advantage of, of the Sixers weakness, but Paul Reed's given them good minutes. And, and, you know, a lot of the guys in their bench lineups have been playing well, including Kelly Oubre Jr., um, who, of course, sadly is unavailable for the time being after after the hit and run accident, which is terrible. Um, Awful. But the, yeah, and Tobias Harris has had a great season so far. I think the best he's played as a Sixer, though. Again, it is early. Um, but then it it comes back to Maxi. He is keying these lineups that don't include Embiid, um, and you can throw doubles at him. You can get the ball out of his hands. Uh, the, the Sixers actually like their internal frustration with Maxi is that he's not more aggressive, which is, which is like hard to fathom after watching the game yesterday, uh, or on, on, uh, Sunday. Uh, but it's, it's really outrageous how, how good he's become. And I, I, again, I say all this just to say part of why they're really good is that I'm not sure exactly what the answer is. Um, but, uh, certainly trying to get the ball out of Maxi's hands as much as you can making other guys beat you is the key. But when Maxi is on a heater, like he was the other night there, there's really nothing you can do. Um, just by the nature of how good he is as a shot maker and how, how high the floor is of Embiid who just like somehow put up a quiet, like. 37 13 and 6 or whatever it was um it, it's it's really unbelievable the way those two are playing right now not just uh not just individually but how they make each other better uh in tandem it's it's really been impressive to watch my theory for maxi would have been shrink the floor as much as you possibly can and make him just be this awesome passer but like they have all these shooting wings now after the harden trade like that doesn't work yep. that well anymore against this team. So like Harris was hitting this. Well, Harris didn't hit any three Sunday, but like Harris has hit his threes. I don't think Batum's missed a shot against the Pacers in his entire career. Right. It's like, that's just not as easy of a thing, even though Batum's out on Tuesday, which does change things significantly. He's got personal reasons listed on the injury report. So we'll see where that all shakes out. Hey guys, short little break here. I have to talk to you about, I bought a Turkey is great. Thanksgiving's almost here, but we know the best part of Thanksgiving dinner is the sides. With Ibotta, you can make sure you get the whole family's favorite side dishes and the turkey while getting yourself cash back starting November 1st. For the fourth year in a row, Ibotta is giving 100% cash back on your Thanksgiving feast. Just add the offers in the app to redeem everything you need to make your Thanksgiving feast complete. All you got to do is shop at your favorite retailers and upload the receipt. Ibotta gives you cash back hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to 
pantry goods. You can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what. Other apps give you points that don't amount to much. Ibotta, you get real cash back. You can cash out on your bank account, PayPal, or gift cards. You can earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers when you start with Ibotta, including Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. Download the Ibotta app right now and use the code LOCKED to get 100% cash back on your Thanksgiving dinner starting November 1st. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store. Download the free Ibotta app and use that code LOCKED. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use that promo code LOCKED. The other factor here that I'm, I'm curious to get your take on, and I cracked up when you tweeted this in the first quarter, is Miles Turner's never had a prayer against the other star on the Sixers. Is there a center that does worse compared to his normal level against Embiid than Turner? I don't think so. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, I, it's always say this, I always say this on the show. I say... Turner stinks against Embiid, and like everybody stinks against Embiid, but Turner does worse than average even still <laughs> in yes. these games. It's, like it's, gotten to the point, it's gotten to the point that I, I think all Sixers fans think that Miles Turner is like a total scrub. <laughs> We're like, I've always been a Miles Turner guy. Like, I think Miles Turner is quite good. But then you watch him against Embiid, and it's, it's tough. And it's, it's ironic because I think those two have a pretty good relationship. Uh, I think they're pretty friendly with each other off the court and Embiid and Miles, but uh, yeah, it's rough. There are few. There are certain guys where Embiid just like completely has their number. Though I will say, one of those guys uh, was Daniel Gafford, and the right. Wizards were in Philly earlier this year, and Gafford had like three blocks on Embiid in the first quarter. Right. Now, did Embiid finish that game with like thirty-five and ten? He might have. Did Gafford <laughs> end up with five fouls? Maybe he did, uh, but even even that feels like it would be an improvement uh, at this point. Uh, yeah, Miles Turner, uh, I appreciate as a very good player, but yeah, it's just I'm I don't think there's a, an opponent that Embiid has has dominated quite to that extent so consistently for essentially his entire career. It's it's really remarkable. To Turner's credit on Sunday, he did good stuff on offense, even against Embiid, like drove past him a few times, hit four threes. Yeah. That's how he's got to play to stay in these games because he's going to be in foul trouble and he's going to get his butt kicked on the glass, which was the other story of the game. And he was still a minus six right, with 22 points and four for nine from deep because he just can't handle that matchup. He never has. They always would put Sabonis on him when they could or whoever else right. was an option, but they right. don't and, have that and, Yeah, and I'll add, to be fair, that – uh, the Sixers don't love when Embiid has to step out and guard that archetype of guy on the perimeter. So they would they would often throw Embiid on like Thad Young back in the day, yep. even before Sabonis, uh, and have like Tobias or at the time Ben Simmons or whoever track Miles Turner out on the paint. Um, so he do, that are that is the one archetype where like the guys who can who can pop, who can shoot the three, who can attack a closeout, get by Embiid and get towards the rim. Those are the guys that can at least have some success against him uh, offensively, because you know Embiid still is an elite defensive player, but but he's not you know untouchable. Uh, so at least Miles does. A lot of guys get torched by Embiid on both ends of the floor. At least Miles does have some counters offensively. The only counter the Pacers had all night consistently was their Tyrese. The battle of the Tyrese's in this one, twenty-five and seventeen assists. Three more than any NBA players had in a game this season. Nine of them in the third quarter by himself. It was nuts. It, what did you see that allowed 
Halberton to do that? Like what got what got him going to you? Is it something he can do again? Nick Nurse is a great defensive game plan adjuster. Do you see something they could go to instead to try to slow him down? But he's kind of answers for everybody this season. So I'm curious what you think about that. Yeah, um, I I am a long. I mean, I think everybody is a fan of Tyrese Halliburton. <laughs> I know I know one person in my life who doesn't like Tyrese Halliburton, which is a whole other story for another time. But uh, I think I think just about everybody likes Tyrese Halliburton, uh, both on and off the court at this point. Um, you know, it's funny when he was when he was a rookie for the Kings. He came to Philadelphia and he lit up the Sixers, and it was the most fun I had watching an opposing player all season. And then he got traded. And the first thing I did was I checked the schedule and the Pacers were coming back to Philly in April. And I was like, yes, let's go. Have you heard um, the story of him lighting up the Sixers that first time now? N- no, I don't it, think so. Is it got out. So yeah, There is. He wanted to work with Drew Hanlon. And he, he told Drew Hanlon he wanted to become an all-star level player. And Hanlon said, you got to shoot more. And that's not how Tyrese Halliburton played at the time. He was very much a pass-first, all-the-time kind of guard. And Hanlon's like, you got to shoot this many times in your next game. And that was that Sixers game. Wow. So they lost, I think, by one or two. I don't know if you remember the score of that game inside yeah. your head. But that was the game where Halverton took like 15 or 16 shots or something for the first time. So he had a bunch of points on top of his assists. It was like his first descent. Yes. I'm like, oh, I could be aggressive. I did not know that story. <laughs> it's in his slam awesome. cover story. It's very cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, that is, a, that is a very good story. I'm going to find that box score as we talk right now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he. But anyways, he is just such a tremendous player, um, and I think I think what was when Nick Nurse had his pregame media availability, somebody asked, you know, what stands out about the Pacers, and instantly he said their pace, which I don't think is a is a stunner. Um, they really turn these games into track meets sometimes, uh, and I shouldn't even say sometimes. A lot of the time, they turn <laughs> these games into track meets which is not necessarily the speed the Sixers want to play at, though they were able to adjust and, you know, do enough offensively uh, on, on Sunday. Um, but I think it, I think it, first of all, it starts with Halliburton just being a brilliant playmaker. Um, but I think playing at that pace against a team that to me looked a bit tired in the Sixers, uh, they weren't on the, the second end of a back-to-back or anything, but that was just kind of my takeaway from w- watching it just seemed like he kind of smelled blood in the water. He could tell that if he kept pushing the pace uh, and, you know, he's surrounded by proper shooting and athleticism and whatnot and scoring ability. Um, I think he could tell that if he just kept going downhill, that he was going to be able to generate if looks, if not for himself, then for others. And like, you, I forget the, the specific stats you said, but like you said, he did a lot of scoring and he did a lot of assisting. <laughs> uh, so he certainly did it both ways. It, it, it'll be interesting to see what they do against him because Batum was the primary defender on him um, and was often picking him up full court, which I thought was really interesting. Um, Batum is not going to play. Uh, on Tuesday night, he has uh, personal reasons listed on the injury report. He missed a few games with personal reasons when he got traded here. Not sure what's going on. He came back for a few games, has been excellent. Um, so we'll see who starts. It. My guess would be Robert Covington slides in there, though that's not necessarily a good option against Halliburton. Uh, Covington's length and hands are great defensively, but the athleticism isn't where it once was. He, he's not really a guy you want to stick on guards anymore, um, which makes me wonder if we see more minutes than usual for Patrick Beverly, 
who obviously they like against guards. Even Jaden Springer uh, could factor into the rotation at some point if, if they want to you know, switch things up and add more defense to their lineup. Even K.J. Martin, who has not played a meaningful minute yet as a sixer, I would be a little surprised if he got in uh, on Tuesday night, but I think there's a world in which he sees action. Um, so I think the biggest thing is just the personnel. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see who the primary assignment on Halliburton is. It's going to be really interesting to see uh, which guys off the bench get cracks at him. Uh, but he is Tyrese Halliburton, so he's going to probably do quite a bit of damage regardless. One more break here, guys, so I can talk to you about the wonderful folks over at FanDuel. Fun week of action, Monday Night Football last night. You can score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet on FanDuel. What a deal. That's $150 bucks if your team wins, and that's any $5 money line bet. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel ever for any reason, there's no better time to get in on the action than right now with an offer like that. With the NFL rolling, with NBA and NHL now underway, the app is super easy to use on FanDuel. There's a wide range of betting options there, over-unders, player props, spreads, your favorites. You know what they got. It. They have more than that. So visit FanDuel.com slash on Kick off the NFL season over on FanDuel. Again, $150 of bonus bets with a winning $5 money line bet. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. Yeah, the, the adjustments I'll be curious about with for both teams is, from the Sixers side, you could tell with Batum picking up so far, a couple teams have tried to do this. They're counter to the Pacers' pace. I hate when I say Pacers' pace, but I just did it. Is if they pick up full court or they they pick up three quarters court and drop back into whatever, is their thinking is, and this has worked sometimes, well, they want to get into early offense, and so we prevent them from doing that. Or at least we make we make the shot clock the sixth defender, right? And that's something the Pacers never have problems with. They get into their offense so fast and they get a shot up right away. And sometimes that works, and sometimes it doesn't. It wasn't great for the Sixers Sunday, but I'll be curious if they mix, if they do what the Bucks did that was successful, which is mix that up with some zone, or if they just scratch, scrap it completely and try to sit back and get ready, like some other teams have had success with. Chicago mainly is one there. Um, so that is one thing. Is, is That's kind of why teams have done that to me, at least what the counter has been, because the Pacers just, like, sometimes their offense is <laughs> – Tyrese dribbles it up. There's one little off ball thing, buddy. He'll take a three. There's 19 on the shot clock and they get a lot of points from those. The other counter I'll be curious about, or the thing I'll be curious about is the Pacers want to run. Uh, they want to get in transition and run. That's great until you get out rebounded to by what was it? 22, including 15 offensive rebound advantage for the Sixers. And so the Pacers shot better from the field and shot pretty well from three, and were only one free throw behind and won the turnover battle. All things that sound great, and they lost by a ton because they took 15 fewer shots. The glass killed them on Sunday. So I'll be curious how the Pacers can do all the things I said, try to keep their pace up, not get deterred by what the Sixers are doing with full-court pressure, but still kind of crack back in that rebounding battle in a way because that that changed the game to me. The Sixers had so many second-chance points that any Pacers comeback was a futile effort. They they were giving up too many extra possessions. So I'll be curious how those adjustments go, and I think that'll kind of shape how the second game goes. And there's a new court. That could matter, obviously. Yes, the new court. This will be the debut for the Sixers in <laughs> season tournament court. Do you I'm sure you've given do you have takes on the courts? Nah, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan, Adam. <laughs> the yeah, Pacers one, it looks like a swimming there. pool, so I, I I'm a little biased by their brightness of it. Um, yeah, you know, I think that if you're going to do like a visual, like this is an in-season tournament game for fans, 
just do the trophy at midcourt. I can make that huge and obvious. That does seem, that does seem like a simpler. The, the color yeah. is a lot. It's a lot. But it's the first year. I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? Do you like them? This is the first game for the Sixers at all, right? They haven't even played a road game yet. Um, they did. They played. They are one and zero. Oh yeah, that's the right. They're both one and zero in in the same yeah. group. That's right. Yeah, this is this is a big game in in Eastern <laughs> Conference Group A. Uh, I haven't said that uh, yet. Eastern Conference yeah. Group A, big game, top of the standings. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Uh, it should. I don't. I don't know where you're at on the in season tournament. I like it in general, but I I like it. Yeah. Uh, I get why some people are not uh, like thrilled by it or, or haven't like opened up to it yet, but uh, like who cares, man? Like they're making the regular season games like mean a little something more. And if they don't, then whatever, they're the same to you anyways. So, right. so let's just like watch basketball and have fun with it. Um, yeah. If but it, it is unironically- I will love it. That's all I care about. Anyway. Yeah. It is unironically a big game in Eastern conference group A. <laughs> Which which is fun to say, first of all, um, yeah. Which, by the way, I did find that box score. It was Halliburton's second year, obviously not his yeah. not his rookie year, because that's not when he got traded. Um, but uh, he had thirty eight points on eleven of nineteen and yep. made twelve free throws. If um, you look at his game log, like leading up to it, it was like eight shots, ten shots, nine shots, <laughs> nineteen. <laughs> oh. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's pretty outrageous yeah yeah here you go like 8 14 9 14 9 19 and then you're like wait what and then it goes down for a little bit and then by the end of the season he's doing that regularly he's such a fun player i, I mean i know i don't need to tell anybody who listens to this podcast about tyrese Halliburton <laughs> being fun to watch but but man he is fun to watch Yes, he absolutely is. I will be so curious what the Pacers can do adjustment-wise. The other thing I'll be curious about is if they just go to McConnell right away. That was a big thing for them was going with those multi He was awesome. And he got the he got the cheers, baby. He's still a process. Oh, always. <laughs> they, they could be playing in the playoffs, and TJ will get cheers when he checks in. That is, <laughs> And I'm not even saying that jokingly. I, like, 100% mean that that will, like, absolutely happen. If, if they match up in the playoffs at some point, TJ will still get cheers when he comes into the game. That is that is the level of love that that exists here with him. Uh, he earned it, and and I realized the other day that uh, he has now been a Pacer for longer than he was a Sixer. Yes, which, yes. Which I tweeted, and a lot of people were very unhappy to hear. Um, <laughs> was there like euphoria in Wells Fargo and him and Covington on the floor at the same time? It was there. I'll just say that there was for me. There was absolutely euphoria for me. It was it was wonderful. Uh, Where is Hollis Thompson? <laughs> I was just going to say we needed Tony Roten courtside, so that's that's perfect. We'll get we'll get, all, we'll get the band back together. Where is Henry Sims? Where you need him? That oh man, I forget what what game it was before. One time, McConnell was talking to his teammates about the process with like Pacers teammates. They were just rattling off, doing what we just said, rattling off names of guys on those teams. Yeah. They were like, TJ was like, that guy was better than you think <laughs> like for all of them. <laughs> it was so funny. Yeah, that is that is very on brand for TJ to say about like every single guy. The story that Brett Brown would always tell is like they would sign a player, he would shake his hand and be like, you're our starting point guard tonight. And <laughs> and that is like literally what they would do with like, that's basically what happened with TJ. That's what they did with Tim Frazier. That's what they did with so many guys. Um, yeah, yeah got them here, right? 
it was a wild time. But TJ Covington being back is very fun, and getting a couple TJ games is always nice. Uh, a bunch of a bunch of TJ jerseys in the crowd, yet on uh, on sun on Sunday, and I would bet more Tuesday night. A lot of McConnell use this season has been Pacers need energy, but unironically, the two and three ball handler looks were good for them uh, on Sunday. So it would not surprise me if he played because having 10 guys would actually be beneficial for them in general, just against the Sixers, who they're faster than and can get shots up against. But it won't matter if Tyrese Maxey does that again. It won't matter if the Pacers don't hit the glass. We will see how it all shakes out. Adam Aronson, I finally got you back here after a years-long break. Go Phils. Thank you Go so Phils. much for the time. Where can people find- yes, I didn't even realize. Oh. Yeah, um, always. The Phillies got eliminated the day before the Pacers got going this year. It was, it was brutal. Not Preseason, fun. I should say. Brutal. Where can people find you and your work covering the Philadelphia 76ers? The first place Philadelphia 76ers. Yes, the best record in the NBA, Philadelphia 76ers. Oh, crazy. Excuse me. Yeah. yeah. I tried the Nuggets um, lost again. That's right. Yeah, uh, Sixers Adam on Twitter because I am bad at coming up with names for things. So I talk about the Sixers and my name is Adam, so that one works. Uh, and my coverage is at phillyvoice.com. Adam is is in the beat ranks now, killing it covering the Sixers team, the king of the new lineup. I am always envious when mm. Adam knows a new group of five. The second it checks into the floor. Tomorrow we'll be talking about Pacers, Sixers, whatever happens in tonight's game, presumably a little bit closer considering what the Pacers were able to do for the last three quarters on Sunday. Maybe not because Joel Embiid always kicks the Pacers butt. And later in the week, Pacers, a lot of off days. They don't play till Sunday after tonight. So we'll have lots of generic early season catch-up topics. Till then, everybody, have a fantastic rest of your day. you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.